everybody. So good to know that Jesus is in charge, isn't it? Well, got one or two amens on that. It's okay. And I'm not looking for amens. Daddy may be, but I'm not. I am uh, here to encourage you to know you're special. Amen. Your best days are before you. And it's okay if you expect heaven to come to earth on your behalf today, right now, in this present moment. That's really what Daddy wants you to know. Amen. I was saying to the staff this morning, I when uh, Brody hadn't been around me and Mimi or Macy hadn't been around me and Mimi, and that goes for all of our grandkids, there's certain things that I'll do to uh, uh, address them, to let them know I see them. Amen. And, and, uh, and eventually they'll come over there and get in my lap and give me big old hugs and not just, just wonderful things happen. <sighs> Daddy drew us together today. He's got plans for all of us that are special. He wants to do good things for you. Amen. And while the enemy does his job well, and we all agree the enemy does, we're not going to spend a lot of time on addressing him because he gets a lot of attention already because he screams real loud. Amen. He, he, he talks smack all the time to all of us. But we want to acknowledge the fact that we're here today because of grace and mercy, a demonstration of the love of God. God came in flesh and demonstrated his love by giving everything so that we could have his kingdom. So it's not a futuristic thing. It started 2,000 years ago, and whoever will believe, they can enjoy righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I think we can all say amen to that. Not that I'm looking for it, but, but this is important. The enemy does his job well. He, have you ever felt like you've been duped before, conned? You ever felt like the wool was pulled over your eyes? And uh, after you found out, my goodness, I got duped. I was conned. Uh, you're not okay with it. And I'm inviting you to get worked up, getting a spiritual lather right now about the fact that the enemy has been playing all of us to a degree and we're coming out of his influence, amen, moving to one glory to the next as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so the presence of God is available for all of us right now on another level. How much to him, how much of him do you want? How much of him do you want to experience? And so I encourage you right now to know that you're just a breath away of an experience, a knowing on a level that you haven't had yet. In 1974, y'all, I experienced the baptism of the Spirit and fire. And it was life-changing for me. This is now 2023, and the Lord keeps reminding me that it only gets better and better. Amen? And he wants me to let you know today, whatever you've enjoyed in him, 
you haven't got a clue yet of what he's ready to pour out on you and give you as, as it relates to experience. He's a good father. And how much more will he give us the Holy Spirit if we will ask? Amen? And so there's no such thing as neutral. That don't exist. If you're saying, well, hold on, I'll make a choice. No, you've already made a choice. Amen. And, and the Lord will work with it gracefully and mercifully and patiently and long-suffering. He'll keep working with our pushback and our thinking that we're in neutral when we're not because he loves us so much. And so just like I'm interested in my grandchildren when they come around close, I'm pulling on them because I want them to know that I see them. Not only do I want them to know that I see them, I want to embrace them and have fun with them. And I'm not near as good as our father. How much more does he want you to know he sees you? Amen. They're special to him. And so we're, 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 we're talking about think first today. Think first. Amen. Make a choice. Neutral doesn't exist. And we started with the first of three points last week, which was choose carefully which messenger you'll give ear to. Choose carefully which messenger you give your ear to. Every one of us has been given by God the right of choosing who we give our ear to. Information is attractive to all of us. And it's tempting to choose to try to figure out good and evil. And so most of us, all of us, have been tempted and yielded to that temptation, amen, of eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil most of our lives. And the Lord allowed us to do that so that we would finally figure out something's got to happen because knowledge ain't helping me. Amen. Thinking that I'm, I, I know something, that I'm smart, that's not helping me. I need life. I need something better than what I have. And so today we're addressing the point number two. Amen. Inspect the fruit before you agree with the messenger. Be mindful. Be careful. How you what who, what messenger you give an ear to, but then now let's evaluate the fruit, amen, before we agree with the messenger. In Matthew 7, for those that wasn't here last week, this verse reads this way, Jesus is giving the servant Sermon on the Mount, the most powerful sermon that's ever been given. And I'm so thankful we have someone that wrote it down, amen, the best way they could. And by the way, let me, let me encourage you, I believe men wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Now, the challenge is, if I'm going to read what that man or those men wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Spirit, I'm going to need the Holy Spirit to get the download. The temptation that I have to deal with with me is I'm logical. And I have an idea of measurement that I think is correct. And I may just say, Holy Spirit, I'll let you know if I need you. Now, we wouldn't say that out loud, would we? But action do, 
action does speak louder than words. Amen. And so just addressing the enemy because he loves to pull the wool over our eyes. And he's very masterfully at doing that. And so as, as Matthew was moved on by the Spirit, he wrote and recorded what Jesus said here in Matthew 7, 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There's one requirement that's important for us to get through the narrow, amen, walk the narrow road and enter the gate that is small, and that is a being identified with Jesus Christ crucified. Amen. Peter gives the wonderful message of the gospel and likens it death, burial, and resurrection. Ah, get to live. And he called it out when they said, what shall we do is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is how you're identified with the cross of Jesus Christ. Death being repentance, burial being baptism in his name, amen, and resurrection being filled with spirit and with fire. You begin the race at that point. Now, whether you believe that or not, amen, is that's uh, as much as I want you to believe that, I'm like the Lord on the matter. I'll submit to his will, let you go through life until you find out you can't make it on your own. And we need something to happen in our spirit. And the moment I let him touch my spirit, my dead spirit, and resurrect it with his spirit, then and only then can I begin to know how to have dominion, authority, and power over the spirits of the enemy, darkness in our world, bad fruit, because at that point, my spirit now is alive and I can have dominion over my mind, will, and emotions. Instead of being led emotionally through life, anybody know how to do that? Feeding the flesh. And I'm not talking about going to Papa Do's, But I'm talking about the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Amen. Trying to be in charge of your life. Giving that charge over to the Lord. Making the conscious choice. Amen. To think first. Oh, I'm going to share with you a, a vision God gave me that really humbled me to realize that, hmm, if I'll just consider what the Spirit's prompting me and trust Him, the half hasn't been told yet, y'all. And, and the enemy is going to continue to do his job to keep us, amen, in a religious slant, a religious prison, a religious mindset. And if we don't address that lying spirit that is the prince of darkness, we'll just keep entertaining all these low-level demons, and they'll just keep running into the house. Amen? One day you'll think you've got victory over anger, and then... A couple of days later, you're just as hot as you've ever been. 
Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You think you put the enemy of pride out in the next, next, next few days, you're just as arrogant as you can be. And those little problems that we don't want to call demons, they're there working, playing with who God's in love with, and he'll wait until we get, as I would say in country boy terms, sick and tired of being sick and tired and say, Jesus, help me. And until we ask, until we seek, and until we knock, amen, we go through troubles and trials in this earth going to church, just putting up with it. So I know that Daddy is talking to all of us here right now because we know how to put up with things and just keep putting the mask on that it's okay, I'm good, everything, Lord is good. And all the while, you're just hurting inside. And you're wondering, amen, how we're going to make it to the next, amen, day. Think first. And so we address point number two. We inspect the fruit before we agree with the messenger. Amen. And Jesus saying something in this passage when he talks about only a few be there, he's saying something emphatic about the vast per- percentages of people that are entering destruction. Watch, this is what he's saying in verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Now, the first thought that's going to come to you just like it does me is that can't happen to me. Uh-uh, that can't happen to me. That's not possible. I'm too good of a person for that to happen. Amen. I, I've been around church all my life. That can't happen to me. Anybody sharing that same challenge? It's real. In John 10 and 8, Jesus goes on to say, All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Uh-oh, there's that. There's the true narrow gate. Amen, the small gate. He said, I am the gate. Who enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Isn't it interesting ladies and gentlemen, that we assume his identity when we're spirit and water baptized. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Read it for yourself. When you're baptized into Christ, you take on that identity. And you can go all the way back into the Old Testament and read where the psalmist, under the presence of amen and inspiration of the Spirit, writes, lift up your head, O ye gates and the Lord will come in. (sighs) That the Lord has decided to limit himself to our availability. He don't have a mouthpiece if we don't yield to it. And so he's looking for available vessels. Amen. His temples. He's looking for someone that will let him show himself strong. And he's able to do that when we are allowing him to take the most unruly member in our body, his body, his temple, and speak through us his will. 
Amen. Isn't it interesting that the gospel that he wants propagated depends on our availability to speak it and it give hope to others and they can hear it? For without a preacher, how can they hear? Every one of you from heaven's lens is called to be preachers. Amen? That's why we're filled with, if we'll allow him to fill us until our cup is running over of his spirit, we become then the messengers of heaven. Amen? Witnesses. And I can't be a witness unless I'm first empowered. How am I empowered? Through his presence, his spirit, and fire. Pastor Lowe, you just keep driving that point home. Amen, because I have to. I know my in, my, I'm not able, I can, I'm incapable of being for God without God being my source. Amen. And so what if it's possible, what if it's possible for me to believe that the presence of God abides in me, that his spirit is in me, and it's really not? Pause for a minute. I really believe that the Spirit of God is in me, but it's not. But I believe it, though. I can feel him. Anybody feel God? Yeah, you're hearing, I feel God. But he's really not in me. I feel him, but he's not in me. Pastor, now be careful. No, no, I'm going to read you a few excerpts that will cause you to be more mindful of the fact that, oh, my goodness, you know the tree by the fruit it bears. This message is not a message to bring condemnation on nobody. This message should bring healthy conviction on all of us to be available for our Father to be who he's designed, designed us to be through us. Amen. Anybody want to let your father, your heavenly father, have his way in your life? Now, I've seen parents that let the children control them. Have you all ever seen that? Is that annoying? Is, that, is there something wrong with that? Something really wrong with that because as parents, we're stewards of God's heritage. Those kids don't belong to me. I'm biologically, I have some children. Biology says I've got that. But hear me, they belong to him. They're his kids. And I've been given an opportunity to be a steward of his kids. But I, let, I don't steward them. I let them steward me. It's very unattractive. So, Pastor, is it possible for me to believe I have the Spirit, but I don't? And you are the only one that can decide that for yourself. God has given you and me the ability to do a fruit inspection. Now, if I'm going to do a fruit inspection, should I do a fruit inspection on you before I do it on myself? Isn't that so tempting? Or I'm a good guy, right? I know better than that. 
but I put the mask on and I've got most people convinced I'm a good guy. I'm giving you all an illustration of how it is. That, and every one of us can do that to a degree because the enemy's good at hiding behind that. And so if I've got you convinced I'm a good guy, then I must be, it must be okay for me just to inspect your fruit. Have you ever done that before? And so I'm going to read you a few passages in here that I help you know that we should probably examine ourselves first before we examine anybody. Amen. And that's the best way you can know when the enemy, where he's at, what he's doing, how he's doing it. Amen. Would that help us today? And, and probably self-deliverance <laughs> becomes really real at that point. And if I, can get, if I can get myself delivered of the lies that I entertain, so important that we catch this. Manipulation and lies are real. For what motive? To control. Is that true? The enemy wants to control us. How does he do that through me and you? Our personal opinions and preferences. Does anybody got some personal opinions and personal preferences? Well, what if it don't measure up to God sitting on the throne? That opinion that I hold, as much as I want to say, well, it's a good opinion, and this preference I have, I feel like it's a good preference. It's just not a God preference. It's not a God opinion. It's just got a little leaven in it. And if there's a little leaven, the whole lump gets leavened. Is that true? And so the enemy's goal is just to twist the truth just a little bit. And if he can twist it just a little bit, he got me. Now, the Lord's not worried about it if we'll let him sit on the throne, is he? He's not bothered by the fact that he can keep us and protect us. Why is God so confident he can take care of me and you? Because he loves us so much. He gave himself. He came and demonstrated his love for you and I on such a level that when we let that love come to us by leaving it all at the altar, giving it up and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to be identified with you, so I'm going to change the way. That includes my opinions and my preferences. I'm going to change the way I, I repent for making myself God when there's only one God. Well, no, Pastor, I've done, no, no. Our actions speak louder than our words. When I reject his drawing presence, when I reject the fact that he says, I see you, amen, and I want to give you all the kingdom, but I don't let him do it because I've got a better idea of what I want to do. And right now, my way of thinking, my preferences and my opinions are more attractive than his. Amen. And religion's working overtime to discredit God and discredit 
peace that passeth understanding, joy that's unspeakable and full of glory, the enemy's working overtime to stop it. Because if you ever experience the love of God, if you ever get filled with the Spirit and the fire, you're not guessing at that point. I know that I know that I know has happened. Does anybody want to have I know that I know that I know? The devil can't give that to you. He can only pull the wool over your eyes. He can only dupe you. He can only con you. But the Lord gives us an experience that takes all question out. I know. Ah, and I'm in the fire. And I'm not getting out. And I'm staying right here because I've never had that kind of peace. I've never had that kind of joy. And I'm not going to be satisfied with anything less. And when you decide that you're not going to be satisfied with anything less, guess what? It gets better and gets better and gets better and gets better. It's from one glory to the next as by the Spirit of the Lord. If your joy hadn't gotten better, if your peace hadn't gotten better, you need to question whether or not you got it. Is that okay? Did that condemn anybody? I hope it didn't because it should convict us. You are that powerful to daddy. You're that special to daddy. You're the apple of his eye. You can move heaven today on the scene right now. That should bring a healthy conviction to all of us that sin cannot rule and reign in you because the king of kings, the Lord of lords, you've let him have his house and he's at rule in you. So I don't have to be good no more. Why? The one who is good has lordship of his house. Am I the one winning over sin? No, he's the one that already defeated it. He's at lordship in his house. What am I doing? I'm up in Papa's lap enjoying Papa's attention. <sighs> Relaxed. No sweat. No frustration. Amen. And so reading to you, Amen. The challenge that God wants to give us to trust him to be in charge and to take over. It says it, says it right here. In the last days, Acts chapter 2, 17, several of you have vision in your spirit and you have access to power and demonstration in the spirit. Because you've let that fire take over in your life. And because of that, you will stand. Opinions and preferences are not ruling in your life. But the fire is at rule in your spirit. And this is why. In the last days, saith God, Peter saying, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. The old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Ladies and gentlemen, that includes every one of us in this room and everybody in the earth. When the Spirit of God comes up on us and we're baptized in spirit and in fire, we will prophesy. I don't know if I agree with that, Pastor. I understand. I understand. But when you get filled with the Spirit, it don't matter then. When you get on fire, it don't matter then. 
Because you can't. It's like a fire shut up. You got to let it out. You got why? Because you're in fellowship. You're you're in your daddy's lap. You're in your daddy's bosom. You're covered by the cleft of the rock. You're covered by his wing. You're in him, and you can't help but let it out. If you can still help letting it out, you might want to question whether or not you got it. Is that okay? Am I, am I challenging anybody to question God? No. I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand that the enemy's good at pulling the wool over our eyes. He's good at cunning us. He's a master at it. Amen? And so, because we allow him to give us vision, the Spirit empowers us over our religious criticisms, bias, and judgment. Has anybody ever been critical before, biased before, judgmental? Jesus is naming these things in the Sermon on the Mount prior to him saying, enter through the straight gate. He names bad fruit prior to saying, beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, inward of the ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruit. He's addressing the fruit before he warns us. Amen? And so, if I have a tendency to be critical, and I have, judgmental, and I have, amen, been there, done that, bias, and I have, and all that's religious, the Lord's not king of his house. And I need to challenge the spirit that I'm entertaining I need to go back and say, I listened to a lie that I thought was God, and it wasn't God. Now I'm doing a fruit inspection, and I'm starting with myself. And when I start with myself, I find out who the Lord of my life is. This is going to help all of us here today. I don't have to go do a fruit inspection on you. If I'll just do one on myself and get the right Lord in the house, Amen. Then the law of love will be fulfilled through me regardless of what you say, regardless of what you do. It don't matter what you do at that point. Now I've let the Lord take over his house. I can be the light of the world because he's the light of the world. I can be the salt of the earth because he's the salt of the earth. I can actually demonstrate the one who is Lord in my life at that point. And I won't debate with anybody. I won't argue with anybody. I won't fuss with nobody. Is anybody tracking? But as long as there's a point to prove and a debate that I need to have, and, and I've got to prove it to you, that's tell, a telltale sign of bad fruit. Is this okay? Amen? We're careful to be sure we give the ear to the right messenger. But secondly, amen, we do a fruit inspection next. Amen. Um, it says it this way in Galatians, I believe where I wrote it down. Amen. It says, examine yourself. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. 
Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Amen. Um, Jesus teaches the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts off with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed, he goes right down, and he just names out everyone who is blessed. Did you know the fruit of the Spirit and the Beatitudes kind of flow together? In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for there are, they are meant to be limitless. Amen. That's good fruit. If that's in me, guess what I know now? Who's in me? He's in me. If that's what is being produced in my life as a believer, I don't have to guess. I know that he's in me. But Jesus goes ahead and continues to point out the bad fruit in the Sermon on the Mount. And notice how he points it out. He says, being critical of others, immoral, no integrity, anger. Anybody ever been angry before? I believe in Jesus, but, man, I don't know if I'm going to get, you know, kind of bent out of shape today or not. Right? Offense, unforgiveness towards others, lust, greed, pride. All this is named in the Sermon of the Mount, y'all unfaithfulness, dishonesty, greed, hate, impure motives, self-righteousness, love for money. Wow. And when you start doing a fruit inspection in your life, mm, and you find some of that there, you begin to realize, okay, I've given my ear to the liar but I go to church and I believe in Jesus. And what did Jesus say? The majority of people are going to say, the majority of Jesus believers are going to say, Lord, didn't you see us when we cast out devils in your name? Didn't you see us when we've done all these wonderful things on your behalf in your name? Now, Jesus is the one saying this, and he's not saying it to make anybody condemned. He's saying this as a, a message of hope. You don't have to put up with this bad fruit. You don't have to be cornered by this lie and the wool be pulled over your eyes. You can actually do something about it by examining yourself to see whether or not the Lord is in his house or not. You know the tree by the fruit it bears. And this is what's gotten me, y'all. It's a hip, y'all. Is that guy in the mirror that I have to deal with? Every Sunday, when I don't want to get up here, carrying the burden that the Lord has on behalf of his love for you, it's not that I don't want to deal with the man in the mirror. It's carrying the burden of what God's passion is for you. I've come to realize the guy in the mirror is an important factor. 
in order for me to encourage you. If I can tell you what he's doing in my life that's changing me and helping me see that, boy, there's been religious influences in my life and the Lord has been long-suffering. He's been merciful, patient, kind, gentle, temperate. And I'm 60 years old, y'all. And I've been going to church a lot over the 60 years. I'm finding out I don't have to go to church no more. I can be the church by letting him take over his house. This has got to help somebody here today. And so I'm doing a fruit inspection every day because of the guy in the mirror. You know what that's done for me and my wife? It's brought healings in areas we didn't even realize we needed healings in. But if I'll take care of dealing with that guy in the mirror, amen, all of a sudden I see daddy's daughter on another level. If I can address the problem that I have inside that's not like him and make room for him to get in his house where he belongs, then I can fulfill the law of love, amen, and treat her like his daughter in a correct way because I'm steward. I don't own her. I'm a steward of serving her by being being pleasing to him. And it takes me dealing with the guy in the mirror and doing a fruit inspection every day, double-checking it and doing repentance. This thing called repentance, it don't change, y'all. It's every day, every day, every day. Repent, repent. Oh, like you wear, no, 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 you don't wear out. What it does, it causes you to go higher and higher and higher. Amen? Repentance does not take you down. It brings you up. If you're repenting and you're more condemned after you get through repenting, you didn't repent. (coughs) The enemy convinced you, amen, that you're a bad person and God don't care about you and you're just sorry. Anybody ever been sorry before? Sorry don't take you up. Sorry takes you down and it condemns you. And so dealing with that man in the mirror and doing a fruit inspection helps me to understand the challenges that my brothers and sisters are dealing with when they have to deal with the person in the mirror. Look, I was 16 years old, and I saw and witnessed something that was not good at 16 years old, and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I went to one of my close friends, and really I was looking for some comfort and help on what to do with it. And I told them what I witnessed, giving them the benefit of that, that they would keep it between me and them. But in God's great big plan, my friend went to my pastor, which I should have been running to the one that was covering me and serving me. Amen. But I learned something at 16 years old about my pastor that really I saw Jesus on a level that I'd never seen him before. And my pastor addressed the matter and was so merciful and so kind and so temperate. And he covered the situation at the same time tending to it on a, in a godly way, fulfilling the law of love. I'd never seen it done like that before. 
And God was showing me through my pastor how to be Christ. People got some baggage in their life, y'all. True? We got ugly baggage in our lives. Ugly. And we don't know if we can trust, and we're not sure we feel safe enough around those that say they're Christ. You know why? There's fruit problems. There's fruit problems. The reason more people can't come to me is because daddy's still getting me delivered so that he can get in and produce good fruit. Because when you feel safe, you'll eat at that tree because it's good fruit. When you feel confident, you'll eat at that tree because that's good fruit. Not everyone that says Christ is Christ. Not everyone says that they're a believer because Jesus said it. The majority, Jesus, do y'all realize Jesus said that? I'm just repeating him. The majority of people that say they believe in Jesus don't believe in Jesus. And he's still with them. He loves them. Interesting things happen. (laughs) They're tied in with Jesus. I was between waking up and kind of been asleep, but waking up. And if you've ever been there before, most of you have. I heard him speak to my spirit and says, think of me first. And first thing I I thought was, oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's good stuff. And so I did. I, I thought of him first. I'm not awake yet. I'm still in that unique zone. And uh, I started thanking him for his name, his presence, his, amen, his spirit, and and for loving me like he did. And while I'm doing that, something happened that was unexpected, but very inviting. In that zone where I was at, thinking of him first, and I was acknowledging him, it wasn't out loud, but I was doing it. All of a sudden, a manifestation of light came into the room in the darkness. Now, keep in mind, it was dark for some reason, but I wouldn't, my eyes wasn't open seeing dark. I just was aware that light had come in the room. And when he came into the room, while I was thinking about him and acknowledging him, that illumination came in the form of, of what I would perceive to be Jesus, the angel of the Lord. And darkness was running. And the more I was thankful, because right then all of a sudden I was out like, thank you, Jesus, for sure now. Uh, awesome. Thank you for your name. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Mm. And the more I did that, the brighter he became. The brighter he become, I seen dark figures that I didn't see before. And they began to leave the brighter he got. So I praised him some more. I kind of like got worked up now, and I'm not even awake yet. And I get to going with a little bit more of the, oh, you know, oh, yeah. And he got brighter. 
and more dark figures that I didn't know were there left until the light consumed me and I come awake, you know, all excited, worked up. I got the strong impression that the Lord is waiting. He was just waiting on me to initiate. He had been drawing on me, pulling on me, asking me to trust him that he sees me, but he was waiting on me to initiate. Amen. You, you can have the kingdom, but I need you to take it. It's like I got the keys to something you really want, but you're going to have to stick your hand out and let me drop it in. Is anybody tracking you? Well, if the Lord loves me, he'll just give it to me. Is anybody? No, you didn't say that out loud, but. And he said, think first of me. Just think first of me. And see what I'll do. Get over the religious influences of yesterday that have held you captive, thinking that this is good enough, this is what Grandma did, and this is what Uncle Joe did, and Aunt Sally did. This is good. I'm, I'm better than they are. Uh-uh. It ain't about anyone else but you and him. Amen. Now, a lot of us here today are carrying things we don't have to carry. And God wants to release you from that. He wants you to know that he's got it, that he's got you covered. And he wants to give you an experience of knowing that you don't have. And for some of us that has been spirit-filled and you've gotten into the fire, don't glory in 1974, Dwayne Lowe. Is from one glory to the next. And if it's not getting better, you're not yielding to the invitation. And he ain't saying that to make you feel bad. He's saying, this is the day I've made. Your best days are before you. Come up and let me show you what you haven't seen yet. But you're going to have to let go of all the beggarly elements of this life. Let me give you an illustration of what some of that is. Unforgiveness, hatred, bias, criticism, judgment, lust, self-righteousness. Come on, he names them all in the Sermon on the Mount, y'all. You know the tree by the fruit. How did that fruit get there, y'all? It got there through a religious spirit that's hiding behind your idea of being a believer. And it's not going to get any better until you do a self-examination and address it. And that's going to require you going back to the cross and saying, Lord, here I am. I know I'm a mess. I messed it all up. And he's like, I am. I love you. You're awesome. Man, I ain't an ounce of regret in our Heavenly Father. Amen. He trusted you to where you are. And when you finally allowed humility and appreciation to come on the level that 
It couldn't come without you messing up. It couldn't come without you finding out, man, I missed the mark bad. And yet his mercy and his love was so real that it brought an appreciation and a gratitude and a thanksgiving upon you. It's easy to repent. It's easy to let go. Amen. And he's saying, son, just think of me first. I'll take you as you are, right where you are, with the enemy making you feel bad because you messed up. No, all that stuff is going to glorify my name now. What the enemy meant for evil, I've got for good. I trusted you with all the baggage and all the pain and all the trouble and all the mess-ups because now you'll know me on the level of my grace. You'll value my relationship with you now because you know I really care. Is anybody ashamed of yesterday? The Lord's telling me you don't have to be because all that stuff that you feel like you own and that you did, that belongs to the devil. Just like everything that is truly good belongs to God. There's only one good, and that's God. And as long as I'm still taking credit for being a good guy, I'm still believing the one that's pulling the wolves over my eyes. There's no one good but God. So, if there's no one good but God, there's really no one good bad but the devil and the devil knows if he can take get me and convince me to take ownership of him being bad and hide behind the guy in the mirror oh somebody just tracking somebody's tracking now if he can hide behind the guy in the mirror he can keep me in prison the Lord wants you to know today you can leave all that that's identified you with yesterday that's not God. You can leave it at the altar where it belongs. And you can open your heart up and let the one who loves you, really loves you, come in and take over. Can we stand right now? He's as real as you will let him be. Is Daddy kind of given that kind of invitation here the last several weeks and months? He's as powerful right now as you will allow him to be. Son, think of me first. Just start being thankful of how good God is. And forget about the people around you for the moment. Let's do an examination on self. Our world's hurting. And for some reason, God's letting me still breathe. <laughs> He's still letting me move and have my being. But if I'll do it in him, what is the potential? What potentially can happen if I let him come to his house the way he wants to come, in spirit and in fire? What's the potential of me allowing him to do that? with all the other precious people that he puts in my path. <sighs> Lift up your head, O ye gates. I'm looking at gates here. Come on. 
The Lord just needs available gates that will give him their tongue. And he will continue to give the good news away through his spirit and fire. Right where you're standing, heaven wants to come to earth right now. Right where you're standing, eternity wants to manifest and be glorified. You have what it takes to put the enemy on the run that has pulled the wool over your eyes and made you play church too long. You have what it takes to be the church today. It's your choice. It's your choice. There's no neutral. I'm so thankful he's been patient with me, y'all. And I need him to continue to be patient. Anybody need him to continue to be patient? I don't have it figured out. I need Jesus in his presence. Come on, y'all feel it in the room right now. In his presence is fullness of joy. How much do you need daddy to come to his house? Ah. <sighs> I'll pray for anyone that wants to go deeper waters, anyone that wants to go higher in the Spirit. We're here for you. Guests, thank you for being here today. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. But I encourage you, if you go, remember, the Lord's going to be with you. And the reason you're going to continue to live is because He's after you. Amen. And you can pull over on the side of the road while you're going home, if you need to, and let him fill that car up. People may drive by wondering what's going on, but it don't matter. What matters is daddy's getting access to his, his son, his daughter. He's able to take over his house, and that's going to make a difference in our world. Amen. Can we lift our hands towards heaven? Ah, oh, Daddy. Here I am, 60 years old, but I'm just a kid inside. Pick me up. Do your miracle. Do what you do best, Lord. Pour your spirit and your fire out on us until we're, full, we're so full our cup is running over. You're the center of attention, not the devil, not the angels of hell, but you, Lord, on your throne and all the heavenly hosts that's around about you saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God omnipotent. He chose humanity to be the apple of his eyes. You're that special to him. Receive him right now. <sighs> be filled with the Spirit. Let the fire come until you know Daddy has his house. Just you and Jesus right now. God bless you.